Welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Vinitali International Wine and Spirits Exhibition. The 54th edition of Vinitali will be held from the 10th to the 13th of April, right here in Verona. To discover more about Vinitali and get your tickets, visit vinitali.com. This year, the Italian Wine Podcast will be live and in person in Pavilion 6, Stand A7. So come on down and say hello. Welcome to our special SOS Everybody Needs a Bit of Shansa installment. This is a shout out to all the wine geeks out there. We need some feedback on the Professor's new book, the English version of Jumbo Shrimp Guide to the Origins, Evolution, and Future of the Grapevine. The Italian Wine Podcast is part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp brand, and Mama Jumbo Shrimp is all about breaking down difficult concepts into small, bite-sized pieces. The issue here is that the new book is, well, a bit difficult to chew at this point. So we want to invite wine lovers out there to give us their input and advice to make the final product more reader friendly. So have at it, wine lovers. Don't be shy. Send your comments to info at italianwinepodcast.com. Now on to the show. Hello again, Richard. Hi, how are you? <laughs> seems like we're um, together every day, Joy. I know. So welcome, people to SOS special edition everybody needs a bit of Shensa this is uh, minus Professor Shensa he's not here this is actually Richard narrating Professor Shensa's new book that he has translated into English and of course we are doing this because we are I'm stepping in for Stevie who usually does this but essentially the I'm stepping in for the professor so <laughs> I know. Oh dear, we're in trouble. <laughs> I'm not saying that yeah. for you. I'm saying yeah. No, okay. I, I, I'm a, a cheap imitation. Oh, a pen shop. As am I. As am I. So let's 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 see what we can do here. Yeah, we are um, doing this because we would like listeners to listen in, and um, if they have any comments, ideas, opinions, anything that can help us to essentially keep working on this book in English to make it more palatable for the everyday reader. I've said this in every episode that I've, I've done. This was intended for the, the Jumbo Shrimp Guide series, which takes complex concepts and makes them simple so that everybody can enjoy the information. So uh, that, is, that is what we're doing here today. Go ahead and tell us what chapter yeah. you're reading and uh, then uh, take it away. Okay, well, this is um, from chapter 13, which is called Challenging the Myth of Purity. And basically, this chapter is about crossbreeding and, in particular, the stigma associated with altering the natural state of the grape. So it also explores the, the quasi-mythological status of wine and how that shapes our attitudes towards it. Um, so, again, because it's Shenza, it's a chapter that's rich with references to... Um, history, to alchemy, to the esoteric movement, and even Mein Kampf for, for good measure, I'm afraid. So yeah, the question, I guess, as, as you explained for, for our listeners, is, is whether these references, these historical references, detract from the, the core message of the book, or whether they're actually a useful and interesting part of the, the narrative. So this is um, chapter 13, Challenging the Myth of Purity. Purity has a religious significance, 
crossbreeding different species with the European vine means contaminating the natural state of the grape, contaminating both those who produce that wine and those who consume it. It means disrupting the link between classical tradition and modernity. Through the purity of the wine obtained from the European vine, the esoteric movement aimed to restore that link between religion and wine, and in so doing, restore nature to its superior state, reawakening an air of mystique. The search for varietal purity in a wine evokes the same principles as those of natural and organic viticulture through the ideological rejection of modern onological techniques, which are regarded as akin to an alchemical workshop. On the 19th of April, 1937, the first fascist racial protection law was enacted in Italy to preserve the Italian race from impurity of blood in the language of eugenics, nation, race and state were frequently interchangeable terms. Hitler stated in Mein Kampf, the mixing of the superior and the inferior races is clearly against the intent of nature and implies the extinction of the superior Aryan race. Whenever Aryan blood has been mixed with that of inferior people, the result was to eliminate those who are bearers of culture. Wine is a symbolic object capable of conveying abstract cultural values. It is also endowed with a symbolic efficacy, capable of producing predictable and repeated responses, such as pleasure, deviance, elegance and refinement. For this reason, it is considered an emblematic, mythological drink with social value in relation to communication. It conveys values that are not far from those of the ideal man, of beauty, health and intelligence, those very characteristics that eugenicists wanted to preserve from racial contamination. Why are we not scandalised when we eat an apple, another mythological object in Western culture that was the result of a spontaneous crossing? The first American vine to reach European soil was the Isabella or strawberry grape, a natural cross between Vitis labrusca and Vitis vinifera, which appeared in France around 1820. Italian legislation relating to the cultivation of hybrids was the most severe in the world. The laws prohibiting the sale of wine produced from species other than Vitis vinifera date back to 1931, a prohibition reaffirmed in Article 22 of the Presidential Decree Number no. 162 of the 12th of February 1965, which prohibited the vinification of grapes other than Vitis vinifera. Currently, with regard to the use of hybrids in the production of wine, European Union regulation 1308-2013 is in force, which establishes common rules for all member states. However, the different ways of registering vine varieties in national registers opens up a regulatory vacuum which, in fact, creates a gap for the discretion of individual members. Article 93 of the above-mentioned regulation allows the production of wine made from hybrids, but only for common wines or wines with a geographical indication. Regarding the classification of vine varieties, Regulation Number 238989 provided that wine grape varieties could be classified as recommended, authorised or temporarily authorised, depending on whether, respectively, they were currently cultivated in the community and belonged to the Vitis vinifera species or came from interspecific hybrids whose aptitude for cultivation was recognised as satisfactory 
and which normally resulted in wines of good quality. As regards classification, Article 81 established that member states may classify as wine grape varieties only those belonging to the Vitis vinifera species or coming from a cross between Vitis vinifera species and other species of the Vitis genus and excludes, for example, Noah, Othello, Isabella, Jacques, Clinton and Herbemont and all those obtained from Vitis labrusca. From the combined provisions of the two articles, it is clear that hybrids can be classified as wine grape varieties, but only for common wines or with geographical indication. The prohibition to classify the six varieties expressly listed by Article 81 remains in force. The problem of the nomenclature of the name used to indicate the new grape variety, and in particular the association with the name of a noble grape variety of indisputed qualitative fame is considerable. There are two main trains of thought in this regard. First, allowing the presence in the name of the noble parent, risking confusing the consumer or prohibiting it, preventing the producer from boasting the noble lineage of the cultivated vine. And secondly, the consumer's understanding, at least in part, of the origin of the product consumed. Both arguments have pros and cons. There is also a resolution of the International Organization of Vine and Wine which states, For new varieties, it is necessary to avoid the use of names that may lead to possible confusion with the name of other existing varieties, especially when these are already used in officially approved labels of existing commercial products. Artaban, Florial, Vidoc and Voltitz are the first four French grape varieties resistant to fungal diseases developed by the French National Research Institute for Agriculture, Food and Environment that have been recognised by the Community Plant Variety Office. They are, therefore, officially part of the traditional European varieties and can be cultivated to produce dock wines, thus overcoming the European legislation, which recognises only the vines of the European species Vitis vinifera for the production of the nomination wines. In particular, the Voltis variety was permitted in the production of Champagne due to the characteristics of its wine, which is not very aromatic. Initially, only up to 5% of the production area of each farm was authorised and it couldn't exceed 10% in a blend. For the new techniques of genetic improvement, Directive 2001-18-EC of the European Parliament and of the Council regulates the deliberate release into the environment of genetically modified organisms. Organisms obtained with techniques involving the use of genetic engineering must comply with the provisions of the directive itself including also the genome editing technique in which the genetic mutation takes place by applying new plant breeding techniques that allow the modification in a precise way of specific DNA sequence of the plant without altering its natural position. Okay. That's that 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 touched on some some touchy touchy subjects there. I did uh note. Yeah, I mean reading it back it's evident that there's a lot of information a lot of maybe too much information maybe we just need to to in the, in the written format anyway there's there's some explanatory notes and there's some footnotes so yeah that seems for me as well just to, to kind of jump from one one topic to another without always explicitly emphasizing why or what the what the what the argument is when you read his writing to translate it 
do you feel like you know is this you know something that is always done by uh, you know somebody who is a professor such as him or is it also a cultural thing in terms of the italian you know how italians they 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 love to explain and 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 furnish a lot of their i mean of course it's uh, the language of amore yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, do you think, I think that comes out yeah, here I, in the writing? This is a very controversial area, and I, I don't want to get into trouble by by um, by saying one thing or another. But I think there's no doubt that Italian writing has a particular flow and a particular style, um, and a particular um, tone, and so trying to adjust that for a, a, an international audience and also even just the, the simple act of translating that into English. Of course, what, what sounds fantastic in Italian doesn't, doesn't always sound, sound right, right in I English. Always, so so I that's the challenge. Find that, I always find that, um, you know, in English you can say something like, quite concisely, you know, one sentence, but then once you put it into Italian, it, it ends up being so much longer, uh, two or three sentences. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's what I'm wondering here. Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, I think there's also, uh, I mean, speaking for myself again, that I was always taught and always encouraged to write in short, simple, clear sentences. Whereas in Italian, the opposite is true. Right. Um, and. I, I mean, I, I had a conversation on this topic quite recently with someone, and they explained to me like, if you write in Italian twelve words per sentence, you sound like a caveman. Right. So the the, the Italian they style really, of writing really is really just about, their... but there's a rhythm to it as well, and there's a flow, and if that's what you're used to, then that's that's fine. Now you are translating it into English, so. They are. There's some really really important points to be made here and it's important arguments um, it's just whether we're doing it in the right way and in the way that has the the, the clearest and most effective impact that's right. probably the question I suppose for for our audience here and for me as well, I, reading these chapters out, having, having spent the last couple of weeks and months translating this process of reading it out is actually quite useful because it's the first time really I get a sense of how it's going, how it's going and it's one thing to be looking at a screen and looking at individual words and translating individual sections, but then when you when you have to read out the whole thing and say, well, how is an audience going to respond to that? That's quite a, a useful process because it really does clarify your mind a little bit, I think, and I'm beginning to realise what what needs to be changed and what need, what what needs to be retained. Mm. Well, on that note, um, if any listeners have any ideas or any thoughts or want to just comment. <laughs> yeah, even a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Whatever, yeah. Just um, contact us uh, through our social media handles. You can find those in the description notes below. And My email, if you want to contact me directly, is hoff, which is H-O-U-G-H, at just do the work dot it okay so with that it is a wrap and um i think lunchtime it. it's lunchtime <laughs> <laughs> bye guys thanks for listening to this episode of the italian wine podcast brought to you by vignitaly international wine and spirits exhibition the biggest drinks trade fair in the world for more information about vignitaly and tickets visit vignitaly.com and remember to subscribe to italian wine podcast and catch us on soundcloud spotify 
and wherever you get your pods. You can also find us at italianwinepodcast.com. guys, I'm Joy Livingston and I am the producer of the Italian Wine Podcast. Thank you for listening. We are the only wine podcast that has been doing a daily show since the pandemic began. This is a labor of love and we are committed to bringing you free content every day. Of course, this takes time and effort, not to mention the cost of equipment, production and editing. We would be grateful for your donations, suggestions, requests and ideas. For more information on how to get in touch, go to italianwinepodcast.com.